Welcome to Juaniriza. Si Ana Muguela. Magandang umaga. Bienvenidos. Welcome. Bienvenido. Welcome. Babuhay. Ekabo. Bienvenidos. Dobradošli. Welcome. We are so glad you're here. Estamos muy muy contentos de que estés aquí. Chiruasanyo punto linazo. Masaya kami na nandito kayo. We are so glad you're here. We are so glad you're here. Masaya kami na nandito kayo. Arado mese chistesnas. Alright everyone, it's time for you to get up on your feet and worship God with us. Let's go. Church, y'all ready to give God some praise? Let's stand up, let's sing, let's clap our hands, let's make a joyful noise, all right? Father, 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 we praise you, Jesus, 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 we love you, Holy Spirit, yes, we adore you, yes we do, come on, let's sing, Father, Father, Father,
dark When I feel like a world's apart I remember that I'm in your heart With you All I've got If I really had to count the cost Not a second or a minute's lost With you Never ever change You're the great I am
matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what's happening. When God is in the midst, when he's in the midst of things, it changes everything. Amen.
let's lift up some praise to the Lord this morning. Yeah. If God is for you, who can be against you? You come at me with chariots and horses and spears and swords, but I come at you in the name of Almighty God. Our God is champion. Whatever challenge, whatever battle, whatever giant, whatever storm you're facing this morning, he's champion. He's in charge. Trust in him. Rely in him. Rest in him. Relax in him on this Labor Day weekend. Our God is champion this morning. We're going to worship him. It is so good to see everybody here this morning. We just, just don't sit down. Just look around and look at how beautiful y'all are. Just look at how beautiful it is to be in God's presence with God's people. If you're a guest this morning, we want you to know that you are welcome here. We want you to be here. We're glad you're here. We hope you feel embraced here. We want to extend extravagant hospitality to you. Uh, we just want you to know that you're welcome here. If, um, uh, if, you're, uh, if this is your first time, I want you to know we've got a little gift bag for you out in the lobby on your way out at the Welcome Center. It's a little gift bag, and you can grab a gift bag, and it's got some stuff in there that you might uh, find useful. Let's do this. Find somebody you don't know, or two people, or three people. Go find them. Tell them your name. And tell them welcome to One Family Church, and then grab a seat, and then exchange phone numbers and go out and coffee after. Let's take a moment and let's just say what's up to the Shaw campus who is joining us online. What's up, Shaw? We're so glad you're here this morning. We are one church, multiple locations, and we love you all down at Shaw. Some of you don't know this because those of you that are at the Tivoli, um, uh, the, we, we, had a little, um, we had a little technical issue, and so Shaw was, was struggling last week uh, to get the, the sound down there, but um, we got you dialed in this week, and we're so grateful for your patience. Um, um, I wa also want to let you know, um, we've got a lot of students here, um, and we were welcoming our students back last week at both campuses, and we gave you, uh, the students, we gave them this book, which is this really cool book about how to live out the Christian life in really every aspect of your life, um, but there were so many students here that we ran out of books, so that's a good problem. So if our greeters would come all the way to the front, if you are a student who did not get a book, now you just can't pile up and get extra books and start your own library, all right? But, but if you did not get a book, please raise your hand or stand up. Let us see you. We have a, a nice book for you. Yeah, there we go. We've got some students here. We've got some students over there. And we've got a bunch of students back there. Um, so, yeah, just keep your hand raised, and we've got this book for you. Um, we are so grateful that our students are here. We are we believe in the life of the mind. We believe that God gives us heart and soul and emotion, but he also gives us mind and reason and intellect. And so we embrace you students who are developing your minds to the glory of God. Um, we're grateful for you. I want to let you know a few things that are happening at One Family Church. Uh, next Sunday, we are holding our membership dinner at 5 o'clock at the Shaw Campus. That's next Sunday. So if you're not a member yet, 
Come out next Sunday, 5 p.m. You can actually go online and register. Uh, you can go to onefamilychurch.com slash events, and all of the registrations are on there. Uh, just onefamilychurch.com and then slash events. Register for dinner. Uh, come out and join the family next Sunday. Um, and then we also are launching our life groups next Sunday. So this is very, very big. Um, we're going to roll out all of the different life groups. You're going to see all the different life groups that are available. Let me strongly encourage you to find a place to plug in and have community with other people. That's where real spiritual growth happens. That's where the real, the real stuff happens. Don't let Sunday morning be your, your only meal, your only spiritual meal. you got to go out and, and absorb uh, some of the nutrients that are available to you um, in these small groups. And they actually do have food usually, by the way, so that helps. Um, Okay, then the following Sunday is our 11-year anniversary, September 18th. We're going to have a family reunion, um, and it's just going to be amazing. It's going to be services at all campuses, and then followed by a huge uh, lunch down at the Shaw campus. We're all going to go down to Shaw campus and have some pulled meat, some pulled stuff. We're just going to eat a lot of pulled and jerked stuff. Um, and we're going to have a blast. There's going to be music. It's going to be an amazing, it's going to be a family reunion. If you've ever been to family reunion, we don't have the family reunion t-shirts with our names on the back, but other than that, it's going to be a family reunion. Okay. Um, and then on October 9th, we're, we're hosting a baptism Sunday, October 9th. So if you want to get baptized, uh, please let us know. You can go to onefamilychurch.com slash baptism or slash events and register there. Um, this is your step to say, hey, I'm in the family of God. I want to I follow Jesus. I want to be a part of that. And that is September 9th. Amen. I mean, October 9th. Um, all right. We're going to dig in this morning to part five of Teach Us to Pray. And last Sunday, if you will recall, uh, we, we explored the passage, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How many remember that sermon last week? All right. So we, we learned about the twofold act of repentance, uh, the twofold act of forgiveness, rather, which is number one, repentance. Father, forgive me for what I've done. And number two, release. Father, I forgive those who have done wrong to me. And, um, and then at the, at the end, I asked you to fill out a card with those two commitments. What do I need forgiveness for and who do I need to forgive? Um, let me just show you, some of you have already watched this because I emailed it to you like I promised I would. But um, let me just quickly show you this short video about uh, what it looks like when we receive and give forgiveness. Let's see this video. Hey family, Pastor Brand here. Last Sunday I preached on the line, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And we learned that Jesus was teaching us that the way to get out of spiritual debt is twofold. Number one, repentance. And number two, release. Asking God for forgiveness for the things that you've done and then releasing others for the things that they've done, forgiving them. And I asked you to write down on a connection card what you need to be forgiven for and who or what you need to forgive. And I asked you to do that anonymously and you did. I mean, we have hundreds of connection cards here with very, very sincere, deep, requests for forgiveness and very deep expressions of forgiveness that you are extending to others. Now what I told you I'd do this week is that we would take these cards and we would burn them. And this would be our symbolic release of all of the stuff that we've held on to and all of the stuff that we have not sought forgiveness for. This would be our symbolic release of all of that. So today, right now, I'm going to take your 
your requests for forgiveness and your acts of forgiveness and we're going to release them to God. And as these cards go up in smoke, my prayer for each and every one of you is that you would experience the freedom that comes from being forgiven by God and the freedom that comes from forgiving others for the wrongs that they have done to you. We said that unforgiveness is like spiritual hoarding. Right now, we're getting rid of all of the bitterness, all of the anger, all of the shame, all of the fear, all of the anxiety, all of the pain of the harms that were done to us and the harm that we caused to others and to God's heart. We're sending them to heaven and letting God's justice reign supreme. We're letting God's wrath and God's justice take care of the wrongs that were done to us and we're letting God's mercy, God's grace, and the blood of Jesus forgive us for the wrongs that we have done. So my prayer for you this week is that you will experience that freedom in full effect. That you will just experience the freedom that comes through forgiveness. I can't wait to see you this Sunday as we explore the next line. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See you Sunday. Yeah, they burned all the way up, everybody. They burned all the way up. Man, I just want to thank you for, um, for your sincerity and your vulnerability. Um, you know, we, we submitted those cards anonymously, but you guys put it out there. You put the real stuff out there. Um, and I just want to thank you for that. And I want you to know that whatever you put out there, um, you are not alone. Uh, whatever, whatever sin that you've been carrying, whatever burden that you've been carrying, God can forgive that. Uh, and he's forgiving that in your life, and he's forgiving that in the lives uh, of those around you. Um, and all of you who, who made statements about things that you needed to forgive, I mean, there was deep stuff uh, released. I, I, have, I have a massive list. I'm not going to go through it. But there was a lot released, okay? Very, very serious items and very, very ser serious matters. And I just want you to know that you are not alone. This is a place of mercy and grace. God loves you, God forgives you, and God frees you today. So let's just experience his freedom and his grace and his mercy through forgiveness. Amen. So uh, the, the prayer that Jesus prays, he, he teaches that line, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. But how many of you know uh, sometimes after you are forgiven, you still find yourself tempted to do some of the things that you had already received forgiveness for. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got forgiveness for it, and then suddenly it lured you back. And so today we're looking at the next line in Jesus' prayer, which says this, lead us not into temptation. We just got out. Uh, we just got forgiven. Please lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let me ask you this, and if I don't get every hand raised, it's just not going to be right. All right? How many of you have ever been tempted to do anything wrong? All right? All right. If, 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 you, if that's not you, you are in the wrong place because we don't believe you. We don't trust you. 
And if it's true, we don't like you, okay? Because that ain't us. Um, we have all been tempted. We have all been tempted from time to time, um, even at our dream team party this last uh, Thursday night. Man, they, it, was a, I, it was a dream team dessert. Um, and so I, I, I planned in advance to say, you know, I'm going to really limit my dessert intake at the dream team dessert. But then Jennifer Williams showed up with these apple crostatas, which I've never even heard of before. Never even heard that word before. Um, but it's like little miniature apple pies all together in a little crunchy, yummy pastry. And so I walked by it and, I, and my eye caught it. <laughs> and then I tried to, but, right? And uh, so you know what I did? I said, you know what, let me just come over. I'm just going to cut one in half. And so, and so I cut one in half, and Jennifer Williams was serving, and she said, you know you're going to eat the other half of that. I said, no, I'm just going to eat half. And I ate my little half with my little ice cream. Amen. And then I went back and got the other half. It was so good. So good. <laughs> Temptation. It's hard to avoid. I'm going to show you one more really quick video just to, just, to, just to get this in your mind, what temptation looks like. Maybe you can, maybe you can uh, r- recognize this. Look at me. You can have fruit snacks, but you can't have them right now, okay? You got to wait. You got to wait until mommy and daddy come back, okay? You can't eat these yet. You got to wait until we come back. I'm going to leave them right here. Don't touch them. Wait. Okay, we're gonna come back. Don't eat them yet. Don't eat them. We'll be right back. We just gotta go get something. Just go, just wait a Oh, you know that's you. You know that's you. <laughs> oh, I could watch that 20 times because there's so much going on. Like, the little guy on the right is like, and he's like, yeah. And then he does it, and they're like, yeah, woo! <laughs> so today, what I want to teach for the next few moments is on the subject, lead us not into temptation, we can find it on our own. Come on, somebody. We can't find it on our own. Um, let, let me just give you, kind of preface this with, with what I'm calling temptation, right? This is my definition that I'm working with today. Uh, the definition that I'm, I'm working with is this. Temptation is the desire for a short-term pleasure over long-term objectives, right? Uh, temptation is when you have a long-term objective, you want to accomplish something, but there's a short-term pleasure and the desire to engage in that short-term pleasure to the detriment of the long-term goal or objective is what we are calling temptation. And when you look through the scripture, there are many instances where people were tempted by this or that, but there are two major instances, uh, one at the very, very beginning of the Bible, a very iconic Uh, image of temptation. I'm just going to read it. I'm going to go through it quickly. We won't spend a lot of time on it, but just to kind of ground you in in how the scripture describes our our core nature when it comes to temptation. It's found in Genesis chapter 3. It says this, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals 
the Lord God had made. He, he said to the woman, this is in the Garden of Eden, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? How many of you know a lot of times temptation begins with that question? But is it really wrong? Like, did God really say you can't do that? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. We don't have time to get into that. But God actually did not say uh, that you uh, can't touch it. She had added some religiosity around, um, around God's command. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You know, temptation always is always selfish, right? Temptation always touches something that is very self, uh, self-centered, self-focused. You will be like God knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good and, and uh, for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is such a powerful and deep story. We could literally spend months just exploring all of the nuances of this particular passage in the Bible. But a couple things that just point, uh, that jump out uh, immediately. One is that it's describing our our susceptibility to temptation, right? Human beings, at the very beginning of the Bible, as it's describing what we're like, uh, the Bible is describing that human beings are susceptible to short-term pleasure over long-term objectives, right? The long-term objective is communion with God and friendship with God and eternal life and living in peaceable harmony with God and other creatures. But then a temptation comes along that says you can have this immediate pleasure, right? But it's to the detriment of the long-term relationship that you desire. So that's one thing it, it teaches us. It teaches us that we're susceptible to temptation, all of us, right? But it also teaches us that when we engage in the temptation or the sin, if we actually cross over and, and accept the temptation, then we are filled with shame. And we are filled. This is one of the very first, in fact, it might be the first emotion mentioned in the Bible, the, 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 the emotion of shame right? Doing something that you know is wrong, that contravenes God's laws. And and notice what they did. They immediately sewed lit fig leaves together and they covered themselves. Like they didn't realize that they were naked before. That wasn't a concept for them. It wasn't an idea for them. But after they sinned, they they became ashamed. They they began to understand their their own vulnerability, their own weakness, their own susceptibility, their um, their own inability to do what God had called them to do. And so they covered themselves. And this is what happens to us when we, when we sin. We, we are tempted, and the Scripture says that uh, you know, temptation then leads to sin, and then sin leads to death. And we become full of shame, and we, we hide, and we cover ourselves. The great writer Oscar Wilde put it like this. He said, I can resist anything but temptation. Right? It's, it's that, that reality that, that you're trying to do right. You want to do the right thing, but this 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 temptation comes along and it just attracts you and draws you. The Apostle Paul wrote about it in um, the book of Romans, and I love how candid he is in this passage. And I've read this before, but I'll read it quickly. He says, I don't understand what I do. Can somebody relate just to that line? Like, I don't understand why I did that. Why did I do that? That was dumb. I should not have done that. I don't understand what I do. 
For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Right? I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do. This is what I keep on doing. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. I'm reading the Bible and evil is right there with me. What a wretched man I am. Who will, somebody say rescue. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Apostle Paul is saying, hey, the, the, the struggle is real. The temptation is real, right? From the beginning of humanity, through all humanity, and even unto this day, everybody who's seeking to follow Jesus will be faced with temptation, and they'll have, they'll have the choice. Do I resist? Do I abstain? Or do I engage in the temptation? The Apostle Paul says, man, I need help. I need deliverance. I need some divine assistance to get through this temptation. Now, a lot of people have been um, talking to me, emailing, texting about this series. And one of the lines, th this line that we're studying today, is one of the lines that they're most interested in. And the question that they ask is, why would I pray, lead me not into temptation? Lead us not into temptation. Why would we pray that? Is God susceptible to leading us into temptation? Or are we needing to ask God, God, please don't draw me into sin, right? Um, and because that's kind of how the phrase sounds, lead, lead us not into temptation, makes it seem like God was about to lead us into temptation. And we're going, no, 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 please don't do that, right? But, but this is what the Apostle Paul says about whether or not God leads us uh, into, into temptation and into sin. Um, uh, the scripture says this, and I think this is in James. Um, yeah, James chapter one. When tempted... When you and I are tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person, here's where your temptation lies. I'll give you the, I'll unlock the secret. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by what? Their own evil desire and enticed. It's your own heart that is dragging you into temptation then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death so we we learn from the scripture itself that we're it's not that god is dragging us into temptation and our prayer is like please don't do that right that's not what this prayer is about this prayer is not necessarily as much about leadership as it is about followership we are asking God to lead us. Let me take you back into the verse, verse 13, and let's focus on a couple phrases. It says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You need to read the whole sentence as one thing. Lead us not, but deliver us. So the, the second clause, deliver us, describes or modifies the first clause, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us means that we've already found trouble. You don't ask to be delivered from something that you don't need delivered from. You understand? So when we're praying, deliver us from evil, that means we've already found it. We've already discovered it. We're already ensnared by it. We've already been trapped by it. And now we're saying, God, lead us not here, but lead us out of here. Lead us. Another way to think of it is, God, lead us away from temptation because I found it all by myself right? Lead us away from temptation and deliver us from the evil that we have stepped into as a result of, of succumbing to temptation and take us away from here, right? 
Here, here's a note if you're writing notes. Write this. God doesn't have a leading problem. We have a following problem. Right? So when I say, God, lead me, I don't have to command God. He knows what he's doing. Right? But when I say, lead me, what I'm really saying is, help me follow you. Right? If I, if I were to say to, to uh, uh, my fitness trainer, um, can you, can you I, I need you to lead me into 20 pounds lighter. Right? And he said, okay, I can do that. You got to lay off on the hot Cheetos and the, uh, and the Emo's pizza and the apple crostatas, and you need some, you know, some lean and green, okay? So if he was, if I asked him to lead me, right, but then he was trying to lead me and I wasn't following him, it's not his leadership problem, it's my followership problem. Is anybody with me this morning? So when we say lead me, what we're really, it's a, it's a prayer of humility is what it is. It's us saying, you know what, I know who I am. I know where I'm likely to lead myself. I know how weak I can be. I know how vulnerable I can be. I know how shallow my spirituality can be. I know how easy I can get off track. I know how easily distracted. So God, I need you to lead me. Just drag me. Just pull me. Just take me. Give me your strength and lead me not into temptation. I found it on my own. Deliver me from evil. That's what the prayer is all about. It's a prayer of humility. So the question then becomes, how do we actually follow him out of temptation? How do we follow him out of uh, evil that has, in, that has captured us? How do we do that? So what I want to do just for the next few moments is I want to give you, and I, I, I haven't done this for a long time, but I want to get real practical and give you some real practical principles about how to follow Jesus out of temptation. How many of you want some help avoiding temptation? Anybody need some help with that? Okay. So here's what I want, I want to do. I'm going to give you five principles that are baked in the scripture that help us to follow Jesus out of temptation. So if you want to take notes, you can write this down. The first one is what I call acute self-awareness. Acute self-awareness. You know, the, the, the thing that is most likely to trip you up about you is the thing that you don't know about yourself. Come on, somebody. You are most vulnerable to the temptation that you've never anticipated. You are most vulnerable to the temptation that you didn't see coming. At least the first time, right? After that, you can kind of see it coming. But, but what we need to do is we need to take deep account of who we are, acute self-awareness. And I'm just, if you'll indulge me, I, just, I try not to do this often, but I just need to use a mixed martial arts illustration. Is that okay this morning? Just, yeah, okay, so three people are going to track with me on this. There was, a, there was a mixed martial arts fight about two weeks ago. Um, uh, the champion, a guy named Kamaru Usman, was fighting a guy named Leon Edwards. And these guys are brilliant mixed martial artists. I mean, the best. Uh, Usman, had, Usman, the champion, had defended his title five times. He had 15 consecutive wins. He had never been defeated in the UFC. He was just, there was no anticipation that Leon Edwards would beat him. Uh, and they were getting ready to fight for the championship. And uh, they get into the ring, and things are going exactly as anticipated. Usman is absolutely dominating Leon Edwards, just every round, round after round after round. It's a five-round fight. I'm, I'm watching the fight, and I'm just, I'm, I'm about to turn the fight off because it's, it's just that lopsided, right? It's the fifth round. There's like 30 seconds left in the fight. The commentators in the fight are like, well, if he just hangs on to the end, I guess, you know, that would be a moral victory for him. And I felt the same way. I said, this guy is toast, right? 
And then suddenly, out of nowhere, Leon Edwards throws a left jab and then a left roundhouse kick and catches uh, Kamaru Usman, and Usman goes down. There he is. That's Usman going down. That's Leon Edwards winning the fight. Now, right afterwards, everybody said, you know what? That was just a lucky kick, right? It was just lucky because he had been getting beat the whole fight, and he just, you know, threw this lucky kick, and he got the guy and knocked him out, right? But a few days after the fight, and you can take that image down so we're not watching the guys fight all. Uh, uh, a few days after the fight, some footage came out. And the footage showed Leon Edwards' coach saying to Leon Edwards, hey, I found a weakness in Kamaru Usman. He said, Kamaru Usman, when you throw a left jab, Kamaru Usman ducks to the right. So if you throw a left jab and then a left kick, he might just duck right into your kick. And you see Leon Edwards drilling that move over and over and over again before the fight. So when it was 30 seconds left in the fight and there was no other chance of winning, Leon Edwards said, well, let me see if I can exploit his weakness. And he threw a left jab and uh, Usman ducked right. He threw the kick, knocked him out. The difference between Usman and Edwards in this fight is that Edwards was aware of Usman's weakness. Usman was not aware of his own weakness, right? That's why he got knocked out. So the reality, the spiritual reality is this. We need to have acute self-awareness of our likelihoods and our weakness, our likelihood to be tempted, our weaknesses, our vulnerabilities. We need to have precise, true, accurate perceptible self-perception about where I am likely to be tempted so that I can train for that, so that I can prepare for that, so that I can avoid getting hit with a left kick, a left heel kick, and getting knocked out on, uh, on, on the floor. Here's how, here's how the, the scripture puts it. Jesus actually said it like this. He said, uh, sorry, this is in First Peter. Be alert. Be alert. That means be vigilant. Be aware and sober-minded. This means have good, clear reflection about your own self. Be alert and be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. Let me just encourage you today. This is point one. I'm not going to do all the points this long. Point one, though, is this. Just you need acute self-awareness. Take time to take stock of what your weaknesses and your vulnerabilities are. If you want to avoid temptation, you need to know yourself. You need to know your weakness. Do not over-exaggerate how good your heart is. Don't say to yourself, well, I'm a good person. No, your heart is wicked and evil just like mine, right? Our hearts are susceptible to temptation. We need to know where our weaknesses are so we can avoid them. Amen, somebody? All right. Number two is similar, but a little further. We're calling it spiritual preparedness. Spiritual preparedness. Uh, on January 15, 2009, some of you will know this story. U.S. Airways Flight 1549 took off from LaGuardia Airport. A flock of geese flew in front of the airplane, and these 10-pound geese went into the, the engines of the airplane, shut down both engines about 100 seconds after it took off. And suddenly, you've got an airplane in the air that cannot fly. There's no, no power. And so within moments, the pilot looked at everything and tried to figure out what to do. He couldn't get back to LaGuardia. It was too far away, couldn't get to New Jersey. And some of you remember the news story. He landed that plane on the Hudson River, 
right there, right there in New York, right on the Hudson River. And the media was quick to say, man, this is a miracle on the Hudson, right? It's a miracle that this happened. And it felt like a miracle because it's just so crazy. There were 155 people on the plane. Nobody died. 155 souls walked off that airplane, walked out onto the wings, got picked up by, a, by boats and headed off. It was just amazing. And we think of it as a miracle. But when you start to understand the background of the pilot, you start to see that there was a little more complexity there. Right? Because the pilot, in this case, his name was Soli. Everybody calls him Soli. He had over 40 years of flying experience. He got his pilot's license at 14 years of age. He had been a flight instructor, a safety specialist, and probably most importantly, he was a certified glider pilot. A glider pilot. You, a glider is an, is an unpowered airplane. And you, he had hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of flying airplanes that had no power. And landing them in awkward places, right? And landing them without power. So when the, when the power went out on this airplane, Soli says, I've done this before. I've been here before. Now, I've never landed on a river, but I've landed on some fields and I've landed without motors and we're going to do this. And so what happened is he was prepared for an event that he didn't expect. You don't have to expect the event to happen, but you should be prepared for it. Spiritually, you and I need to spend time in spiritual preparation so that when we go out into the world where things can happen, we are spiritually prepared for whatever happens. He didn't wake up that morning thinking a flock of geese were going to fly into the plane, but he was prepared for a flock of geese flying into the plane. Here's how, here's how uh, he put it when he described uh, his own experience. He said this. He said, one way of looking at this might be that for 42 years, I've been making small, regular deposits in this bank of experience, education, and training. And on January 15th, the balance was sufficient so that I could make a very large withdrawal. You are going to face things that you don't even know you're going to face. You are not expecting some of the stuff that's coming down the pipe. You're not, you're not, you're not expecting it, but you can be prepared for it. When we spend time strengthening our spirit, right? When we spend time in prayer, when we spend time in scripture, when we spend time saying, God, I'm going to lean into you. I'm going to develop my spiritual man because my flesh is weak. Then I, when I walk out into the world and the, the fiery darts of the enemy come, I'm prepared. Here's how Jesus said, he said it very succinctly in Matthew 26. He said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Don't spend all your time in the flesh. Spend some time in the spirit. Spend some time in the, uh, in, in, in the spiritual development tank. Spend some time developing your spirit so that when you walk into the world, you are prepared. I'm not, I don't have time to do uh, the full armor of God, but if you go to Ephesians, the P Apostle Paul talks about all of that. He says, put on that full armor of God. Be prepared for the fiery darts of the enemy. The, the big thing that we've been promoting throughout this series is every person praying every day. To come into church on Sundays is not sufficient preparation for the, for the fiery darts that you are going to experience throughout the week. It's not sufficient, right? It's like a weekend you know, plane ride. It's not going to be enough when the, when the geese hit the engine. All right, here we go. Number three, I like to call this one situational selection. 
This is how we, how we avoid temptation. Situational selection. How many of you know it's hard to do the right thing when you're in the wrong place? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just, it's easier to do the right thing when the wrong thing is not nearby. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're, if you're trying to decrease the amount of alcohol you consume, Mardi Gras is probably not the place for you. <laughs> right? If you're trying to cut back on your caloric intake, uh, the buffet at the Golden Corral might not be the right environment. Situational selection, meaning I need to select the situations into which I enter because there might be stuff there that would be tempting to me. And if I, if I don't go in there, I'm less likely to be tempted. It's actually easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist temptation. If you avoid the environment in which the temptation is likely to occur, it's much easier than putting yourself in the environment and then trying to resist the temptation that is right in front of you. I asked my, I, I'm talking a lot about food this, this Sunday, but, but, I, but it's something we all relate to. Um, I was telling my wife, I said, you know, I want to eat more mixed greens. I want to eat more fresh, you know, vegetables and that kind of thing. I, I really want to increase that and just be a little bit healthier. That's what I want to do. Um, but, um, you know, but, but, but I'm not doing that. So I, I need to figure out how to do that better, right? So she did something ingenious. You know that little drawer at the bottom of your refrigerator? I think they call it a crisper, but it's really where vegetables go to die. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Where, like, spinach goes to wilt. You know what I mean? That, that drawer, it says crisper, but it's really wiltier. It's just the, right? Every week or two, you open it, and you go, oh, darn, all of our mixed greens are gone, you know? Um, not because we ate them, but because they're limp at the bottom of the drawer. So, so you know what she did? She said, let me take all of these fresh greens out of here. And then let me take all the condiments out of the door of the refrigerator. And I'm going to put the condiments down in the crisper. And I'm going to put the fresh greens in the door of the refrigerator. <laughs> That's a good wife. I, and this, we did this, what, a month ago? I'm telling you, every time I open the refrigerator, instead of seeing mustard, ketchup, mayonnaise, and barbecue sauce, I'm like mixed greens, spinach, romaine, and, you know, carrots. And I'm telling you, I'm eating a lot more greens because the situation has been selectively administered so that I'm more aware of the good stuff and less aware of the bad stuff, right? That's a long way just to say, but it's true. Situational selection. Don't, here, here, let me give you the scripture. Uh, Romans 13 says this, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. In other words, don't put yourself in a situation where the gratification of your fleshly desires can be provided for right? Step away from those and select the right spot. Is this helpful to anybody this morning? Okay. We're going we're gonna to wrap it up quick. Number four is what I call authentic community. We're launching life groups next week, and I just, this is why I want you to join a life group. You cannot walk out the spiritual life on your own. Nobody can. Nobody can. Nobody can. You cannot. I cannot. Nobody can, right? I have like three people right now, three guys on speed dial who they know if they get a text from me saying, I need to talk, they know I need to talk. They're going to hit me back right now because they know that I'm reaching out because I'm facing something that I need some brotherhood around. I need some brothers, some Christian brothers to come around and go, okay, let's talk about this, right? And it's, and it's reciprocal. So if I get a text from any of those three guys that says, I need to talk, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to call them because I know they're facing something that they, they can't really face on their own, and they need somebody to encourage them and help walk them through that. 
the reality is this. We are not made to be alone. We are, it is not good for us to be alone. We are, we need to be in Christian community. We are a body. And whenever we try to isolate ourselves and walk out our life by ourselves, we will face temptations that we cannot face on our own. And we need an authentic community for a, to, to come around us, to strengthen us, to support us, to pick us up when we failed and help us walk down the path. So I just want to encourage you, Get in spiritual community. Here's how the scripture puts it. James says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healed means you don't keep going back and doing it again. Healed means your soul gets healed up. It might take a while, but healed means, you know what? I'm able to overcome that. And it comes through two means, confession and prayer. Right? I'm struggling with this. Can you help me with this? Yeah, let's pray, brother. Let's talk, right? So authentic community is vital for avoiding temptation. The question I want you to ask yourself is, who is your crew? Who is your crew? Who's on your speed dial? Who can you call and say, I need your help? Because if you don't have somebody, you got to get somebody, preferably more than one. Okay, here's the last one. I'm going to close with this. The last principle is this, what I call divine reliance. And this is ultimately the, this is at the bottom of, this is at the base of all of it. This is, a, this is the supporting structure for everything. I said at the beginning of the sermon that there were these two iconic moments of temptation. The one at the beginning when Adam and Eve were in the garden. And then the other at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The beginning of the New Testament. When the scripture says that uh, Jesus was taken out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now, what's interesting about that, that is the only time in the scripture that we see God leading someone into, an, into temptation. The scripture actually says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And the question is, why would God, why would the Spirit lead the Son in the desert to be tempted? And the reality is this, God knows you, and God knows me, and God knows we couldn't do it. We couldn't resist temptation. But God knows that he had to send his son who could resist temptation to stand in our place. And what happens when Jesus is led into the spirit is that he reverses the curse that happened in the garden. See, Adam and Eve are in the garden, right? Jesus goes into a desert. Adam and Eve ate the fruit. Jesus fasted for 40 days, right? They were both tempted, one by the serpent and one by the devil, same person. But one listened to the serpent, and the other resisted and quoted the scripture back, right? Listen to this. One was tempted by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Jesus turned the tree into a cross and said, I'm going to sacrifice myself so that when you fail and when you stumble and when you fall to temptation... I am there spreading my arms to forgive you and say, let's get back up, let's resist the devil, and let's keep on marching on. God's, God sent his son to resist temptation. The scripture says he was tempted in every respect like you, meaning whatever temptation you've experienced, he's experienced, and yet he resisted. So we can follow him not only by, by his model, but we can follow him in his sacrifice and receive his forgiveness. When the apostle Paul, and I'm going to close with this, when the Apostle Paul, who was so candid about this struggle that, that he experienced, he talks about it again in, in 2 Corinthians, and this is what he writes, and I just love how he ends this. He said, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a, a flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, he said, is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power, not his power, not his willpower, but that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, I delight in insults, I delight in hardships, I delight in persecutions, I delight in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What he's saying is, here's how you avoid temptation. God, I can't do it. I'm too weak. And I need you, your sinless son, to enter into my heart and transform me from the inside out and to guide me and lead me. This is why Jesus says to you, and he says to me, I want you to pray. And I don't want you to feel like you need to tell God what God needs to do. I want you to recognize that your prayer is a confession of your own weakness. Your prayer is a confession of your own humility and your own vulnerability. He said, I want you to follow God out of the hand of the enemy, out of temptation. And I want you to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, deliver us from evil. As we close today, I, I, want, I want to invite you to pray that prayer. There's not a single person in this place, and I'm convinced by that because I read 5,000 connection cards last week. There is not a single person in this place that does not struggle with some kind of temptation or another. And can I tell you, this is why I'm so thankful for you as a church. Because you were so vulnerable and candid on those cards. There was no sin not mentioned on those cards. There were sins I hadn't even heard of mentioned on those cards. It was amazing that you all said, look, I need to give this to God. And you know what? I also need to release some of the stuff that's been done to me. And you listed all of that stuff too. And I just want you to know that when you do that, your weakness is the door of access for God's power to enter into your heart. And so today I want us, as we close, I just want us to open our hearts and I want us to pray. If you are a, if you're a, a person who is not a person of faith and you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus, and I don't, I don't, I don't expect that everybody here is. My hope is that not everybody here is, that there are a number of you that are here that are just going, let me think about this, right? I want to invite you to become a follower of Jesus because you know and I know that you can't overcome and override the temptation that you're experiencing on your own because you've already tried. In fact, that's probably why you're here because you keep trying and it's not working and you keep trying different techniques and it's not working. And at some point you need to go, man, I need God. I need God. I just need to humble myself and recognize that I am in need of a Savior and a Deliverer. I want to invite you to pray with me as I pray. And, and those of you who are believers, you have been forgiven and you have forgiven others, and yet you see temptation right out on the horizon. You're trying to do good, and like Paul, the evil is right there. I want to invite you to invite God to give you the power to overcome temptation, to follow Him out of temptation and into deliverance. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. Your word is so rich and, and, and 
spiritually nourishing. It is so powerful. It cuts so deep. But it, it heals us and it cleanses us and it fills us with power. And I just thank you for every person here who doesn't believe in you. And I pray that they would open their hearts and receive you. I pray that you would draw them right now by the power of your spirit. That they would come and be a follower of you and be baptized in the water of forgiveness and receive your spirit. I just pray for them right now. And I pray, Lord God, for those of us who are believers, but who still from time to time walk in the flesh, not in the spirit. And we need to get back to walking deeply in the spirit, being aware of our own weaknesses and being prepared spiritually and avoiding those spaces that don't bring glory to you and opening our hearts to community and opening our souls to your divine power. I just pray for each and every one of us, Lord God, that we would follow you today and that indeed you would lead us out of temptation and deliver us from evil. We love you. We honor you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. If you're here today and you want to get baptized, you want to follow Jesus, you want to make a commitment to be a part of what God is doing, let us know. Would you please put that on a connection card and on your way out, you can drop that in one of the baskets. If you're a guest or a visitor, grab a guest basket on the way out. Uh, unfortunately, right now, our prayer room is closed due to the renovation here at U-City. Um, fortunate and unfortunate because we like to go in there and pray, but it is getting renovated. Amen. Um, and so, so if you have a prayer request this week, please put it on a connection card and let our team pray for you and a member of our team reach out to you uh, and, and we'll be with you this week in prayer. Uh, if you want to participate in spreading the gospel and, and, and giving and extending your generosity, you can do that this afternoon uh, when you get home. If you're a guest, please don't feel any obligation to do that. But if this is your church home, you can do that at home this afternoon, um, right before you eat that lean and green lunch right there, the lean and green lunch. Amen. Would you stand with me now? And uh, we're going to close out this sermon and this service in song, opening our hearts and worshiping the Lord together. Amen.
welcome to post-service. Sorry we were having a little technical difficulties for pre-service, but welcome. Uh, we're going to talk about, let's get right into it, the Life Group Fall Semester, September the 11th. Uh, we are inviting you guys to basically just join a life group, like Pastor Brent was saying, that definitely it is a way that you can get into community, you can connect with believers. Uh, we love, like our small group is called Gospel Community, and we meet on Wednesdays at 6.30. And we, basically our format is we get together, we encourage one another, we basically, we have a... Uh, set up where we bring a snack each week and then we pray for each other and then our little flow is that the men break off into one group and then the women they go into a different group and then that's where we find that we call it like our safe space so that's where you guys can definitely just pour into one another I love how the scripture says iron sharpens iron so we just um, invite you guys to join a life group they do launch on September the 11th I love how one family they have like a catalog so you can go and see what fits for you they have bikes they have uh, golf groups, they have a prayer group, they have a setup like ours, they have a coffee group. So we hopefully you guys will do that and uh, you can grow together and this is where we uh, discipleship and fellowship, it just happens. So we encourage you guys to do that. Uh, now we're going into our next steps dinner that will also be September the 11th. I know we talked about it before, but they don't have like the chicken dinner. So I guess we gotta find out what they're having uh, for those dinners because we just think it's kind of hilarious. Uh, the next steps, it empowers you to join the family and live the life that God has created for you. It is once a month dinner that equips you to join the family, that's number one. And then number two, to make a difference, and number three, to grow together. Uh, so you can get your questions answered, make connections, figure out your next step with God. Um, I love how when we first did it that we basically be set in like the U shape around the table and we got a chance just to meet people to our left and to our right and it was fun just kind of connecting with those people, seeing like exactly where they were, their background, where they came from. So uh, we just love that concept of it and to become a member of one family, that's going to be September the 11th at 5 at the Shaw campus. Uh, then next, I love how he said the family reunion, and he was right about, like, you know, we have, like, the logo on the back or on the front. We're not having that, but we are inviting you guys to the family reunion on Sunday, September the 11th. Uh, the 18th, I'm sorry. We're going to be celebrating the 11th year anniversary. So come out, invite somebody, let them see how we uh, worship and fellowship and just laugh at One Family Church. So we do ask that you invite. Uh, extend that invitation to someone we also we are a church that we believe definitely in giving and so we are just encouraging you guys to understand that whole tithe and offering thing and i know i use this over and over and over and over again uh, but it is best to give than to receive. It's just something about that supernatural giving and just knowing that God is going to meet your need. And um, there's no lack because God is in control of it all. So we are just asking you guys just to partner with uh, onefamilychurch.com slash give. 
And um, like I said all the time, just imagine that you have, and I know in the Bible it says that Joseph had that storehouse. And when the famine came, when the hardship came, when you didn't know how you were going to pay your bills and anything like that, it's like something about the word and how it becomes alive when someone just says, hey, you know what? I thought about you today, so I wanted to bless you. Or your family needed something today, and you thought like, wow, how am I going to do this? Like, how is this going to happen? And God just always makes a way because he is so faithful. Uh, he is so just and he is so loving to us. And I love how the word says that his character, he doesn't change. He's not like us. He's not human. And so we just invite you guys just to do that. Onefamilychurch.com slash give. We are so, so glad um, that we do have a body in this church that are tithers, that are givers. And if you don't understand the concept of it, we just ask that you kind of sit back and kind of like try to feel it out, kind of figure it out. But I do know that it is something that happens in the heart when you understand like, wow, I can be a blessing to another person or I can help out another person. Uh, so we thank you for that. A powerful, powerful sermon today, guys. I really enjoy that uh, because temptation, that is something that is real. Temptation is something that lurks out there. And I love how he just kind of put that all into one word uh, of us being, I like to, I get like, I sit still and I'm like, oh, I can see these things. And I can see like the vision and the revelation. And I just really loved how he said that like, we are not like led into anything and so just want to recap one of the notes that really stuck out to me and i'm a uh, temptation it is the desire for short-term pleasure over long-term objectives and i love how he just broke all that down and how he basically uh was just letting us know like it's not even worth it but i thank god for jesus because he turned jesus turned the tree into a cross that was something that really resonated with me so something that started out in the garden basically jesus he finished it up guys i mean he took on every single thing that we we're dealing with and he literally nailed it to the cross so even if you made a mistake yesterday you made a mistake five minutes ago you can repent and ask for forgiveness because jesus did that for you and i and so now we're going to pray um father i thank you so much for this day I thank you, God, for your word that came forth. I thank you, Lord, that how every person that came into your house, that they felt welcome, that they felt accepted, that they could feel the light of Jesus shining so brightly with everyone that they encountered on today. Father, I just ask that we take every single word that your Bible and your word, it gives us, that we could just live this thing out and walk it out exactly the way uh, that it was intended. And if we don't know any of the answers or if we have questions or if there's issues that we're facing, Father, I pray, Lord, that we learn to turn to the word. And then after that, we can turn to our community. So I thank you, Lord, for every person that was here. I thank you for the word that went forth. I thank you, God, that people's hearts and minds, that they were shifted. And God, I thank you that we can find our identity in you, in Jesus. And Father, I thank you so much 
for the cross, it's a beautiful thing. It is such a beautiful thing. There is beauty in the cross, and I thank you for forgiveness in that cross. And Jesus, we thank you so much that how you sit at the right hand of the Father, and you're literally interceding on our behalf. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for joining us, guys. We really appreciate you. And like I say, happy Sunday.